Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalam ala rasulillah, nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Surah Muhammad, Surah Al-Fatih, Surah Al-Hujurat, Surah Qaf, and Surah Al-Dhariyat. Surah Muhammad contains one of the only four occasions where the name of the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned in the Qur'an. There is a fifth occasion where the name Ahmad is mentioned. Now when we compare this to Musa he's mentioned 136 times. So why so? Why is the Prophet Muhammad's name not mentioned more in the Qur'an? Well you see, when you mention a person by their first name, there is an element of informality about this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to teach the Muslim Ummah how to respect and revere the Prophet Muhammad So in the Qur'an, he is mentioned countless times. Virtually every verse of the Qur'an is of course revealed primarily to the Prophet but not addressing him by his first name, addressing him by titles of honor, respect, and dignity. Ya ayyuhar rasul, ya ayyuhar nabi. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to him in the third person to show the increased respect and reverence we should have for the Prophet. In verse uh, 2, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَآمَنُوا بِمَا نُزِّلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ كَفَّرَ عَنْهُمْ and those who believe and do righteous deeds and believe in what has been sent down to Muhammad it is the truth from their Lord. He will remove from them their misdeeds and amend their condition. There is a high emphasis in this surah on obedience to the Prophet Muhammad Ya a'malakum O oh, you who have believed, obey Allah and obey the Messenger and do not invalidate your good deeds, verse 33. And particularly in the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts forward the two most difficult aspects of obedience to the Prophet Muhammad. Number one, striving in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make his word the highest, al jihad. And number two, spending in the path of Allah, taking your halal, hard earned money and spending it in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah actually ends the surah with a warning to those who are not prepared to do these two things, that he will eventually replace us with a different people who are prepared to follow the Prophet ﷺ completely and wholeheartedly. In verse 38, Behold, you are those who are called to spend in the cause of Allah, yet among you are some who are niggardly, who are stingy, and whoever is stingy, it is only at the expense of his own self. But Allah is rich, and you mankind are poor. And if you turn away, he will exchange you for some other people, and they will not be like you. Surah Al-Fatih Surah Al-Fatih literally means the victory or the opening. And it's often misunderstood as referring to the victory of Makkah, the conquest of Makkah. It was actually revealed in far more difficult circumstances. It's a truly uplifting surah which changes your perception of victory. The Prophet ﷺ had a dream that he was making Umrah. And as the dreams of the Prophets are true, he set off with the Sahaba to make Umrah in the sixth year after Hijri. And this was the height of the hostilities between the companions and the Quraysh. The Quraysh, seeing their coming, set out to bar them and to meet them fully armed. Despite the fact that this was a peaceful movement, 
to make Umrah to the sacred sanctuary. And the Quraysh were prepared to spill blood if necessary. The Prophet ﷺ was commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to confer a peace treaty known as the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah, which many companions, especially Umar radiallahu anh, found very difficult to accept. The conditions of this treaty were particularly humiliating to the companions and on the outward appearance seemed to be very unfair. And in return, the Prophet ﷺ and companions were promised that the following year, the next year, they could come and make Umrah. Allah revealed this surah to reassure the believers distressed by the terms and conditions and show that it is truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who knows the inner realities and who knows the future. What appeared to be a humiliating treaty turned out to be a blessing in disguise. As with the relative peace which followed, da'wah flourished and the number of Muslim converts increased exponentially. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the surah by saying, a remarkable praise of the Prophet Indeed, we have given you a clear victory. And what is this clear victory? That Allah may forgive you for what has proceeded of your sin and what will follow and complete his favor upon you and guide you to the straight path, its forgiveness of sins. This surah changes our perception of reality and changes our perception of what victory actually is. The surah contains 12 different forms of victory, not just the short-term political military victory that we think of. The first one, which we have recited, forgiveness of sins. The second one, which we have also recited, fulfillment of Allah's favor. The third one, guidance. The fourth one, actual physical victory. The fifth one, Tranquility of the hearts. The sixth type of victory, exposing and punishing the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. The seventh type of victory, of course, admittance to paradise. The eighth type, Allah's satisfaction with the believers. The ninth type, material gains such as war booty. The tenth type of victory, admission to the sacred mosque, which the companions would do the following year. The eleventh one, peace peace and security from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the twelfth one, the open manifestation of Islam across the land. It's a surah which praises the companions more than any other surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this surah, Yadullahi fawqa aydihim, Allah's hand is above their hands. Before concluding this treaty, the Prophet ﷺ had actually sent Uthman ibn Affan to Makkah to negotiate on their behalf. And to try and uh, uh, to alleviate this standoff which had taken place outside Mecca. Uthman radiallahu anh, when he arrived in Mecca, was greeted by his relatives. He was such a, a personality, such a famous personality. And they kept him with him for a few days, celebrating and being generous with him. Now the companions of the Prophet ﷺ were unaware of this. And the Prophet ﷺ was unaware. They feared that he had been kidnapped or were still killed. So they took an oath of allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ that they would be prepared to fight to the last drop of blood if Uthman, they have betrayed him in this way. The Prophet ﷺ put his hand out and the rest of the companions put their hand one above the other on top of the hand of the Prophet ﷺ to show him their oath of allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ and their willingness to fight to the end. And they did this under a tree. And this became known as the famous pledge. 
And the Prophet ﷺ put his left hand above all their hands uh, 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 in replacement of Uthman's hand or to, uh, or to represent Uthman's hand. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Yadu Allahi fawqa aydihim. The hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was above their hands. Allahu Akbar. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ فَأَنْزَلَ السَّكِينَةَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَثَابَهُمْ فَتْحًا قَرِيبًا Certainly, Allah was pleased with the believers when they pledged allegiance to you under the tree, and He knew what was in their hearts. So He sent down tranquility upon them and rewarded them with an imminent conquest. SubhanAllah. Surah Al-Hujurat Hujurat literally means apartments. And this is a surah which is about organizing. It's a pivotal surah which every Muslim must really know and understand and study in great depth. It's a surah which is about organizing the social interactions of the Muslim community. And there's a cl clue in the name. Hujurat meaning apartments. Apartments are dwellings which are organized, which are close to each other, which enable interaction of people. That's what this surah is about, managing the interactions, the social interactions of the Muslim community. This surah begins, as the previous two surahs, with the importance of obedience to the Prophet ﷺ. O you who have believed, do not put yourselves before or in front of Allah and His Messenger, but fear Allah indeed. Allah is all-hearing, all-knowing. Ibn Kathir explains, this means do not rush in making decisions before the Prophet ﷺ. Rather, follow his lead in all matters. Don't say anything that contradicts the Qur'an and the Sunnah. In this verse is a categoric prohibition of putting your own opinions and views in front of Allah and His Messenger. The second verse emphasizes the correct respect, honor and esteem to be shown to the Prophet ﷺ. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَرْفَعُوا أَصْوَاتَكُمْ فَوْقَ صَوْتِ النَّبِيِّ وَلَا تَجْهَرُوا لَهُ بِالْقَوْلِ كَجَهْرِ بَعْضِكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ أَنْ تَحْبَطَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ O you who have believed, do not raise your voices above the voice of the Prophet ﷺ or be loud to him in speech like the loudness of some of you to others lest your deeds become worthless while you perceive not. You cancel all your good deeds. The context of the revelation of this verse is that Abu Bakr and Umar were discussing the appointment of a leader for a delegation coming to see the Prophet and accept Islam. They disagreed about who should be this leader uh, from amongst the companions and they raised their voices in front of the Prophet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed this verse to correct Abu Bakr and Umar. Subhanallah. This shows us we think. Dawa, correcting, advising is for people of lower level, the common masses. No. The most important priority is that the top of the top, the leaders, are given sincere advice. This is Abu Bakr and Umar, the greatest companions, the greatest human beings to live on the face of this earth after the Prophets. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals verses warning them, advising them and correcting them because they are the role models for the rest of the community. When this verse was revealed, Umar lowered his voice to such an extent that in future the Prophet ﷺ could barely understand his speech and would have to ask him to raise his voice. One of the companions, Thabit ibn Qais, known for having a loud voice, thought that the verse referred to him and he locked himself away in his home. 
until the Prophet ﷺ, look how the Prophet ﷺ is a very sensitive leader, noticed his absence and asked for him to be brought. And when the companions went to him, he said that he was destroyed and he was bound to enter the hellfire because Allah had revealed this verse and he thought it was about him. And the Prophet ﷺ said, go back to him and tell him this news. You are among the people. You are not among the people of the fire. Rather, you are among the people of the paradise. SubhanAllah. How the Prophet ﷺ used to give glad tidings, good news. In this surah, you can find nine critical pieces of advice in organizing the Muslim community. Number one, فتبينوا, فتبينوا, um, Make clear and clarify and investigate. When you receive any information, especially sensitive information which has knock-on effects on the well-being of others could even be related to war and peace always investigate and verify the news in case you harm people out of ignorance number two for us make settlement between brothers and sisters who are fighting for us make peace between them settle the disputes between them it's the responsibility of the wider community to make peace Number three, act justly. Whenever there is a dispute, try for settlement and act justly amongst the two parties. And don't be biased to one party against the other. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who act justly. Don't ridicule people. Number four, don't ridicule people. Perhaps they will be better than you in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't insult one another. Number six, وَلَا تَنَابَزُوا Don't call each other offensive nicknames which hurt people's feelings and breed enmity. اِجْتَنِبُوا كَثِيرًا مِنَ الظَّنِ Avoid negative assumptions. Indeed, some negative assumptions are sins. The Prophet ﷺ said, in أَكْذَبَ الْحَدِيثَ الظَّنِ The worst of all lying speech is negative assumptions, thinking the worst of people. Number eight, وَلَا تَجَسَّسُوا Don't spy on each other. Don't be the type of person who's spying as an informant, taking news backwards and forwards. وَلَا بَعْضُكُمْ بَعْضًا Don't backbite one another. It's a major sin equivalent to eating the flesh of your brother. Backbiting is to say something which is true about another brother or sister, which they would hate for you to say. No point saying, oh, I would say it to his face anyway. Well, go and say it to his face then. Don't relay information about others which they would hate for you to say, even if it's true. If it's true, it's called backbiting. And if it's lying, that's far worse. That's called slander. The surah ends with a sobering thought for those of us who consider ourselves as being Muslims as a favor done to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَمُنُّونَ عَلَيْكَ أَنْ أَسْلَمُوا يَمُنُّونَ عَلَيْكَ نَسْلَمُ قُلْ لَا تَمُنُّوا عَلَيَّ إِسْلَامَكُمْ بَلِ اللَّهُ يَمُنُّوا عَلَيْكُمْ أَنْ هَدَاكُمْ لِلْإِسْلَامِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ They consider it a favor to you that they have accepted Islam. Say, do not consider your Islam a favor to me. Rather, Allah has conferred favor upon you that he has guided you to the faith if you should be truthful. Surah Qaf. We'll now start reciting the surahs which are known as Mufassal surahs, the shorter surahs which start with Surah Qaf. The Prophet ﷺ used to recite this surah in large religious gatherings, such as the Jummah Khutbah, he used to recite parts of this surah, and in the Eid prayer, 
a number of uh, uh, in, and in the Eid prayer, the Prophet ﷺ used to lead with the surah. Hence, a number of companions report memorizing it directly from the lips of the Prophet ﷺ. He did this so because this surah contains so much vivid descriptions of death and the hereafter, of the scenes where a person's soul is about to leave them, and the scenes from the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also uses the natural phenomena as proofs for resurrection from verse 19 to 21. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about uh, not the natural phenomenon but the time of um, death and the stupor of death will come in truth. This is what you have been avoiding. Subhanallah, sakratul mawt means the pangs of death. And the Prophet ﷺ said that truly in death there are pangs. There is pain which is unimaginable. And the trumpet will be blown. And that will be the day of warning. And every person will come forth along with an angel to drive him and an angel to bear witness. Indeed, you were heedless of this. Now we have removed from you your covering and sharp is your sight this day. Vivid descriptions of the hereafter. We also see some remarkable examples of the eloquence of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the same word to describe completely opposite experiences. The Jahannam and the Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ نَقُولُ لِجَهَنَّمَ هَلِمْتَ لَأْتِي وَتَقُولْ هَلْ مِنْ مَزِيدٍ On the day we will say to hellfire, have you been filled? And it will say, are there any more? Subhanallah. The word mazid is used. Are there any more? Imagine trying to convey to human beings the size of hellfire. What more eloquent way than this? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question the hellfire, are you full? And the only response the hellfire will say, is there any more? But then later in the surah, five verses later in verse 35, لَهُمْ مَا يَشَاءُونَ فِيهَا وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٍ They will have whatever they wish therein and with us is more. The same word used now for the people of paradise. They will have whatever they will and with us is more. What is the mazid in this context? It is seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the people of paradise have been given every blessing of paradise, every enjoyment of paradise, and everything they could think of has actually materialized in paradise for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask them, is there anything more you want? And they will say, of course not, my Lord. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reveal his face to them. And that will be the greatest ecstasy of paradise when the people of paradise are gazing at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from them. Ameen. Surah al The central theme of this surah revolves around rizq, provision. That Allah is the one who gives and He is the one who withholds. He is the one provider who provides for all living beings. He is the one you should turn to. In verse 50, So flee to Allah, indeed I am to you from Him, a clear warner. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives parallel examples in the opening verses of rizq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and rizq being withheld by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's in his hands. 
by the winds that scatter. These are winds that do not bring rizq. These are the winds that scatter grain everywhere, that destroy. And those clouds carrying a lot of water. These are different winds now that bring and drive the clouds which are full of water. These are the ones that bring rizq. Both are in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَالْجَارِيَاتِ yusra And those ships sailing with ease, again bringing rizq. فَالْمُقَسِّمَاتِ amra And those angels apportioning each matter, again bringing rizq. All the rizq is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you need to take the means by working hard and taking the halal means to achieve that rizq. But it's something fixed and it's something predetermined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's something that will reach you. And in the heavens is your rizq, your provision, and whatever you have been promised. Subhanallah, some of the scholars of the past used to say, we were so happy when we realized our rizq is in the sama. Our provision is in the heavens, which means nobody can reach it. Nobody can take from you what was destined for you. Hatim al-Assam was asked, it's reported, he was asked, how do you have so much tawakkul on Allah? And he said, I realize that my provision, no one else can share it with me. Whatever is destined to reach me, will reach me. There is the famous verse which crystallizes for us the purpose of our life. In verse 56, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقُ ذُو الْقُوَّةِ الْمَتِينَ And I did not create jinn and mankind except to worship me. This is the purpose of our lives. I do not want from them any rizq, nor do I want them to feed me. Indeed, it is Allah who is the razzaq, the one who provides, the firm possessor of strength. There's a beautiful synergy in this surah shown between the generosity of Ibrahim to his guests compared to the generosity of Allah to Ibrahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the moment when the angels enter the house of Ibrahim and he does not recognize them as angels but as human beings. And he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then he went to his family and he came with a fat roasted calf. They only had one calf and Ibrahim uh, ordered his wife to slaughter it, to roast it and to bring it before the guests. And of course the angels, they did not eat. And Ibrahim said, Will you not eat? Subhanallah, why, why is this important? Ibrahim did not even ask them if they wanted to eat anything. That's the manners which we show with guests, one of the uh, beautiful characteristics of Islam, generosity to guests. He didn't ask them. If they asked them, they would have said, we are angels, we do not eat. They, he, they just brought it. Ibrahim just brought it and brought something so mag- magnificent, so generous, a whole entire roasted calf. That's the manners we're supposed to show with the guests. We don't ask them if they need something to eat because obviously out of shyness they will say no. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala compares this, his generosity, Ibrahim, to his guests, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity in giving to Ibrahim alayhi salam a son. And he felt from them apprehension and they said, Fear not to Ibrahim and gave him good tidings of a learned boy. هذا وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم